When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Red 7, Red 7, Red 7, Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot Rock! I don't, what is Hot Rock? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here, you ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I don't want that ball! I don't want that ball! I don't want that ball! You will get I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. I got a whole lot of money, money, money for me. Money, Bottle money, keep popping and what up there? Welcome into 11 personnel. Nick Roush and Adam Lucky here to give you a little bit of extra sauce the week after the season. Lucky, it's uh season's over, but we're 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 just getting started, bro. 12 month of year sport never stops. And the transfer portal, Nick, has created um, some busy seasons um, in the college football world. Specifically, we thought, you know, you move the signing day to December, the months from January to, you know, until spring practice can be pretty dead, but the portal has totally changed that. Um, And then you add on draft decisions, um, Mm -hmm. draft season coming up. Um, Busy, busy times here in in the Big Blue Nation. Uh. Before we get into that, we're going to touch on that briefly, but I wanted to mention, typically this podcast comes out on Tuesday. This We tried something different. We tried Twitter spaces out for the first time, kind of seeing how we can tinker with it, seeing how we can use it. Um, and that's going to be a fun tool, Bucket. What I realized, I wished we had just I had just sucked it up and tried it out sooner because that would have been the, per- the bus ride on the way home from the bowl game would have been the perfect time to do it, you know? Yeah, I didn't, yeah. So I have especially a feeling, when we're in there for an hour. Right, right. I have a feeling we're going to be utilizing that live conversation uh component of Twitter. Uh maybe on some ride homes from Lexington. But I was just thinking that's I mean, gonna be a good uh ride home tool. Right, right. But the problem is is you can't so like we can chat with our listeners. Um, and it's a lot of fun. We you know, we took a handful of questions or so. Uh, but it takes – it's not easy to just rip the audio and throw it on the podcast feed. So you can listen to that entire conversation on Twitter. I'm at Roush KSR. He's at Adam Luckett KSR. Um, but we're going to tag it. We were able to rip it a few days later. I've got it attached to the end of this. So if you miss the Twitter spaces, um, you can hear it after we give a brief update. We're going to talk about the portal. Figure we just give a little extra 
11 personnel this week because there, there was a lot of news Thursday. There was a lot of news since we talked. Um, at, you know, one of the questions we got, what are the chances Wanda Robinson comes back? Uh, you know, it was wishful thinking like it. It was it was hopeful, but as expected, Wandale is taking his talents to the NFL draft. Yeah, you kind of dig into this, Nick. When you start looking at the draft, specifically the receiver position, it's solid, but it's not great. I mean, you've got the clear top guys. You look at Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, um, Traylon Burks. But after that, it kind of drops off. So those four guys are probably first rounders. After that, it's a bunch of guys second, third, fourth round. Is Mechie year in this one? Yeah, he's gonna be, but like he he's probably projected third or fourth round, especially with his injury stuff because he yeah. had it a lot. Yeah. Um, but you look at him; he's not super explosive. He's more of a slot possession type guy. So you you kind of break you kind of dig into it a little bit. And Wandell, there's a real chance I think he could sneak into that the back end of the second round. Mm-hmm. Thinking that's what his report probably said, second, third. Like if Wandell the year before, it would have been probably fourth round because in a loaded receiver draft. But this year it's a little weaker. So I mean, it, this was about as high as he was going to go, um, and I don't think you can really fault him. I think you're looking at late second, early third for him coming off the board, and that's going to be good money, well, good situations, and, more likely than not. And to do it on the heels of how much more can you improve from last year if you're Wandell, you know? Um, and he took took a lot of shots. It, luckily, I mean, he's a tough kid, you know, so, like, that doesn't – he got back up from all of them. But, you know, he's not indestructible. So, um, as much as we would have liked to you, – you could convince yourself, well, maybe, you know, a nil deal could change his mind. Um, you know, it's – you appreciate what he did at Kentucky. Um, you've got to applaud the Kentucky coaching staff for getting the most out of Wandell and helping him – reach his ultimate career goal and now it's it's going to be his time to shine so uh best of luck to wandale uh hopefully hopefully we get the combine back like it so we can go watch him up in indy go talk to him i don't i don't i haven't heard any stuff about that i did some reading it looks like the plan is to have it up and running but you don't know with all this covid stuff if that'll change um the last covid pre-covid event we went to yeah the senior bowl is a month away literally less than a month now it's Right there, I believe, in between the Super – when they had the break between the Super Bowl, I think is when they play the Senior Bowl this year. And the Shrine Bowl – the Shrine Bowl is getting a nice uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A nice leg up because the NFL is saying, you know what, we're – screw this. We're just going to put it in conjunction with the Pro Bowl and we're going to have it in Vegas like three days before the Pro Bowl. So they're kind of just making a one-week thing out of it. McCall's going to that one along with Luke mm-hmm. Fortner. Right. I'm sure some others. Then- the combines in March, and mm-hmm. then we got the draft, um, the the weekend before Derby this year next. So you don't have to worry about Ooh. missing it this year. Yes. So all good things. So big, big, mm-hmm. big time, um, fun, fun. One of my favorite kind of stretches of the year is draft season, uh, for the obvious reasons. Um, it's where football guys thrive. <laughs> so I'm very excited and for Kentucky this year, Nick. You're looking at just off the top of the dome. Like Kennard's probably second round. Mm-hmm. Robinson One second, nail. third. Yep. Pascal third. Corker, depending on how he tests, uh, I think he could get probably fourth, fifth potentially. It's probably where McCall's going to go. McCall, I'd say f- fifth, sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, Fortner, 
a team will probably like him at some point and take him. Uh, yeah, that I would assume, but he's probably going to be a late round flyer. Yeah. Seems so that's like. six. Um, any other? We'll see what you know. We'll see if, who else comes out. I mean, there's some decisions need yeah. to be made. And if um, um, Quandre Mosley is an interesting one for me, uh, because I think quietly he had a pretty good year. He showed some ball production. Long cornerback. Depends on how he tests that pro day, you know. Yeah, Kentucky has a, tra- a track record now um, at that position. Eccles so picked off I Brady. Be surprised got him if he's a surprise, right? I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he's a seventh round kind of shock, similar to Phil Hoskins last year. All right. Well, there's there's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we got plenty of time to dig into that. As much as you love the draft, like it, uh, you're you're reaching real exceptional levels of foot. Like it, it's weird because football guys. You wouldn't think that they would be concerned with social media, but in this landscape, you got to be able to dissect social media posts. And you were reading some tea leaves well in advance of Tyler Barron's submission to the transfer portal. Uh, he was posting a lot of pictures playing against Kentucky, and now he's in the portal, and Kentucky is the favorite to land him. And like it, this would first off, uh, hats off to you for uh, reading those tea leaves correctly. And also hats off to you because he could be a, this could be a big one. This could be Kentucky's big portal fish this off season. Yeah, top 125 prospect in the class of 2020. He's a guy Kentucky fought to the bitter end. Uh, he ended up picking Tennessee over Kentucky and Ohio state was 6'5, 250 edge player coming out of high school, originally from Nashville transferred to Knoxville Catholic for his last year, of high school ball. His dad, of course, kind of famously was director of player personnel there for volunteer football. Plays as a true freshman. Jeremy Perry gets fired. Sticks around. His Josh Heupel retains his dad. Some point during the season, his dad in Tennessee decided to go separate ways. So you could maybe say the writing was on the wall. He said he was asked about it and kind of said he was all in on Tennessee. I don't have the exact quote, but I'm planning on coming back to Tennessee, blah, blah, blah. Turns out that's not true. He's entering the portal, and it would seem like Kentucky is kind of a heavy favorite. It's very similar, I think, to a Wondell Robinson-type recruitment where Kentucky kept a good relationship even though they lost a tough recruiting battle, and now there's going to be an avenue for him, and there's an avenue for playing time. Barron right now 6'5", 260 pounds. He's kind of a tweener between the edge, kind of jack linebacker, and kind of the field defensive end that we saw Josh Pascal play this year. Mm-hmm. Pascal played at 278 pounds. Trevon Ripka, his backup, is over 300. So there is some size needed to play that spot. Um, but I think there's definitely – that's a guy you take and you just figure it out when he gets here. Right, um, right. But I and, think there's a definite avenue for him. Um, and then you look at so – let's say just play this game that Jordan Wright comes back for a super senior season. Which I've heard some good things about. You're just going to have a straight platoon across the front, the entire defensive front. You're going to have Justin Rogers, Josiah Hayes at nose. At the boundary tackle, you're going to have Ox, Khalil Saunders. Yep, at end, potentially, good. you could have Barron and Ripka. And at edge, you could have Wright and Weaver. Oh, and then think about your linebackers if Square and Jones and then, return. Right. I mean, and your linebackers you, is too deep. I mean, it'll be the deepest fr- defense yeah. Kentucky ever had. In the yeah. Too deep. Yeah, in the front, especially in that front seven. Now the secondary, you know, it's a big question. But right, because you want to fix, Corker. you want to fix the coverage. Uh-huh. Get your front right. Yeah, 
Yeah, go sack the quarterback. Yeah, and you can, <laughs> can't and throw the ball if he's on his those, back. Those creeper, those simulated pressure packages where you're only rushing four, um, you could cause a lot of headaches potentially if you can rotate and keep those bodies fresh. And then in November, because of that, you're, you're just going to give teams a lot of problems when other people are banged up and tired towards the end of the season. So that, yeah, that's a lot to get excited about just from that. And then you look at kind of the recruiting star power. It's a lot of four stars in that mix that I just talked about. Yeah, uh, I think uh, if you it, so not only four stars, but like top two hundred guys, right? Uh, with Hayes, Rogers, Oxendine, you know, just depending on service, 200, 300 recruits. So Trevor Wallace, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of talent uh, that could be coming back. Uh, and and I alluded to it, but uh, folks, I, I saw some comments and people were just being weenies about it because they don't understand how the this game works but remember the guy who told you how every single game would end this year <laughs> remember that guy he, he predicted exactly what would happen throughout the kentucky football season and i think all of it came to fruition except i might have said outback bowl instead of citrus bowl over you're close iowa. but i think i even had it, it versus iowa um Think about that, and then now let's apply that to returning decisions. I'm not going to be a jerk and ever step on anybody's announcement. Like, th this is their – you get to make two or three like this. Uh, you get to announce it when you're having a kid. I'm not going to do that for them. But I'm going to tell you all how you should prepare for those announcements. And you know what? The first one, Cedric Dort, he's already entered the portal, Okay. I was shocked at some of the things I heard about Dare Rosenthal in a good way. And then not to mention Jordan Wright, that could be a significant return too. The, the other big one, Rodriguez, and I, you know, we talked about it the other day, but like, sounds like this, this momentum, it's, it's just going to keep on rolling like it. I know that you're not going to have the uh, Josh Allen level of star power announced in their return, but you, you really could if you get uh, Rodriguez, Wright, and Rosenthal to announce their return. Yeah, and Tyrell Agent's an interesting one for me, Nick. Um, you look at the secondary, they, they need to address both cornerback and safety still, I think. Like right now, there's a lot riding on Zoff Frazier as a Juco guy. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot riding on them. I, 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 I would I bet a lot of money that they're going to the portal for at least one a cornerback. And yeah. in Agent's case, it could be like, do you get a mm -hmm. safety too? Or yeah. do you trust those younger guys? Yeah, and if you bring Asian back and team with Geiger, that's a that's a good, solid to good. I mean, at least average, I think, secondary. They're in the back end. I just know that the Asian, like, he can be so hot and cold, and it's all yeah. about his physicality. Like, because right. that's – he doesn't bring the physicality that they want from that position. They want somebody right. who's going to be a banger, you I know, mean, in the And after end. that, you kind of got, you know, Todd Dotson – he played a little bit in the Citrus Bowl when I went back and watched the tape, but not a lot. We really haven't seen him much. I think he his got first a, three years on campus. I think he got a pick against Mississippi State last. He got a big pick as like a whoa. That guy's Taj Johnson's playing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember that, but maybe he did. Um, and then like, where do you, where do you plug Joel Williams at? Is he going to play this uh, medium, this nickel Sam position, like as Vito Tisdale's backup? I would assume that's where he's at. Um, then Ricky Hyatt and Jordan Lovett, you just don't know about. You think, think Kobe can, Albert can play as a true frosh? Uh, I think uh, you don't want to depend on him a lot. Dodson did not have a pick. I was incorrect. 
Yeah, I, I think I got a, him confused. He had a fumble recovery against Florida as a true freshman. Maybe that's because what it was. Yusuf Corker yeah. got yeah. booted for targeting early in that yeah. game. That's what I'm confusing with. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Joel Williams, if you recall that LSU game, he uh, he played a lot of coverage. On, Florida. Yeah. Was it, it was Florida? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, they were in together, but. And then we didn't really see him much the rest of the year. I don't know if he got dinged up, got hurt, or if they were just like we're playing. Yeah, I mean, Beto he's got and... the ta- right. He's got the talent. You know, it's it's just getting a light come on now. He missed to- he missed all his spring ball. That's why this year, like we slept on Andrew Phillips, but let's just see him get a full year of spring practice, and then let's reassess that. Then I mean, we still don't know a lot about him. A veto missed a lot. I think that's going to do him good getting that all those reps. You're going to get. Yep. And so, yeah, that I mean, defensively, and like, you got to figure out what Baron is. You still need potentially another edge guy. I think you right. could probably be okay if Wright comes back. Right. But you only got four, and two of them are true freshmen. Um, and now at these all at these all American games, um, they're not getting a lot of buzz. No. We saw a little bit on Fearbree. I've seen nothing on Keaton Wade this week. Nope. Now that can mean nothing because the guys there are usually watching. They're specifically. The they're watching their kids. big fish yeah right like you're watching the uh you know the walter nolans the cash cows you know the stuff the people the players that people click on um so, so that, that's that, just, that I mean, could be it but you know both those players i like them but i just don't know how much you're going to get it from them as true freshmen right you're not like having michael williams going out there and just wrecking practices right. by himself which that dude right there's man. not a, they're not will anderson <laughs> right uh, but so that's yeah, just so, interesting. that's just going to be all stuff I think to follow here. So right. Right. Uh, and before we get out of here with a little bonus content, um, Kentucky stole an Iowa quarterback. So suck at Iowa, your losers. And we're also going to take your quarterback as well. Four star <laughs> kid out of, I believe the Dallas suburbs. Yep. Deuce Hogan outside of uh, Southlake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Southlake. So interesting. I mean, Obviously, we all saw Iowa this year. Both those quarterbacks had major issues. He couldn't really push either of them to get in that kind of conversation. They had a true freshman, it sounded like, that passed him in practice. So the writing was on the wall there. But to get a four-star quarterback, that talent, big arm, um, fits some of the traits that I think Cohen wants in a quarterback. To get him just as a walk-on, not, not too bad. I mean, at least in the scout team, you can have somebody over there Competent passer, yeah. Right. Reading through his stats, it sounds like a big arm guy that can't control his accuracy. Yeah. Like fifty percent completion. Pocket uh, footwork issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, So so, I mean, develop developmental kind of guy. You just get him in, see what you can do with him. I mean, it's a walk on, so it doesn't hurt. I think would have been weird to spend a scholarship on him. Yeah, yeah. You get him as a preferred walk on. That's awesome, right? Like. Um, because you know, if you don't like what Kai Sharon turns into, then you're not kind of step up a creek without a paddle. I initially mm-hmm. was like, Oh gosh, they're gonna add this guy. Does that mean Bo is on the way out the door? But that is that is not the case. Um, but hell, you could end up having a decent competition uh a year from now, whenever mm-hmm. Levis does. Um, most likely I I think you know, one more year of Will Levis yeah. is probably the cap, even though he has and more you, eligibility. You mentioned Rosenthal kind of glossed over it, but if he comes back. You got four positions nailed down. You got left tackle. You've got guard, center guard, some combination between Horsey, Cox, and uh, Tayshawn Manning. Mm-hmm. 
and then you're really missing the right tackle. Now you've got a couple options there. You could slide Horsey out, yep, and you could plug someone like Jagger Burton, uh, Quentin Wilson, someone along those lines in, or you can get young at tackle. You could play Flax. I think Jeremy Flax is much better at right tackle than left tackle potentially. Yes. And you got to remember last spring he was awesome and something just fell off the cliff for him this season. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but that you got DeAndre Buford, who was highly thought of. You got David Wollaball yeah. as a potential tackle option. Obviously, Keontae Goodwin. So there, I mean, there's some legitimate options there. I think they're gonna be fine. I feel pretty comfortable about the offensive line and the arrows with all comes back. You got four or five solid. You could really have maybe one of the best center or best pass blocking guard combinations there at, at, with Horsey and Tayshawn Manning, um, but both of those guys potentially. I think Horsey at left guard's got first team All SEC potential if he can stay there. So I mean, a lot to be excited about there uh, potentially mm-hmm. if if Rosenthal comes back. It just it solves a lot of the issues. Um, yeah, it's a lot yeah. easier to find a right tackle than it is a left tackle. Right, right, or, right. A lot easier to find just one tackle than it is two tackles. <laughs> Uh, you're exactly so that, right. So, and then you're going to be a big, pretty veteran group. You'd have redshirt senior, redshirt senior on the left side of the line with Horsey, Cox, redshirt junior, Manning, super senior, pretty old there too. So, a lot like that. That's a big, big, big addition if he comes back. Um, I've got one stat to share with you, Lockett, and 417 career rushes by Chris Rodriguez. How many do you think have gone for a loss? Like 15, 17. Yeah, 13. 13 and 417 career rushes. That is insanity. Yeah. Gosh. He's Man, good. that is that is pretty pretty good. Um, man, well, this has been pretty fun. Don't you think so, Luckett? Just a little, mm-hmm. little Friday extra. Yeah, and just all American Bowl, Barry and Brown is putting on a show. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's That's encouraging. <laughs> but it's been him and Isaiah Bond are the two receivers that people are gushing over. Um, he's had a, some a couple of drops, but it's clear that even at that event, he's like a different caliber than the rest of the guys there. And that those are the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably going to get a ranking bump here. Like this guy's going to come in and he's going to get in that room and he's just going to be different. Yeah, than every other dude in there. And the so, way like, he's that uh, playing as a true freshman, y'all just get ready for it. It's just how how they're going to use him, how they're going to get him involved, how effective can he be, right? Right. Um, but he's the, gonna he's a player. The thing that I liked uh, when I was starting to say, man, they're like, remember we played Georgia and Wandell looked like normal speed. It's like Barian still looks fast against Georgia guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy, this cat's different. Yeah. He's a different breed. Oh man! So, like this is gonna be exciting to get him in um when you look at offensively what they have like with Tavion robinson they got the slot guy they got the guys that tight in they can do some 12 personnel where they can flex um at x receiver um maybe chris lewis can take over that spot but really you need a guy like a deep play z receiver that can make vertical plays like we think the kel crowdis could potentially be it um, but after know. that it would just after that it's kind of uh Harrisburg doesn't really have the big play speed. He's probably more of an X now. Yeah. But Barry and Brown, that's him. You know, that, that was going to be Todd Harris. They lost him. But Barry and Brown, that's him. Um, potentially, if you could get him and take off and boom. I still think they should add one more guy from the portal. Um, but some of this Brown stuff is 
I think you should be fairly excited over this. He's going to be a dude. Ah, you're exactly right. Uh, in that game, it airs at noon Saturday. Mm-hmm. Plenty of uh, plenty of time and opportunity for you to watch before the UK basketball game against Georgia Saturday night and the NFL games. Well, Saturday NFL action before the national championship. So, uh, what happening? Um, and you can get in on that action too if you play with Prize Picks. Prize Picks they sponsor all the eleven personnel podcasts. And if you download Prize Picks app or visit PrizePicks.com, sign up using the code Personnel. You get an instant. bonus on up to $100 on your first deposit. You just pick a couple players, then pick over or under, whether you're going over their rebounding total, their passing yards total, or just their daily fantasy sports point number. You pick over and under, you parlay them together, you win big, and you don't even have to pick all of them correctly if you use the flex play. Prize Picks, it's a wonderful app where you can make sure you got action on all of the big games from college football to NFL to college basketball, it's a wonderful time of the year to be a sports fan. And right now, you can play with prize picks and win big with our friends at Prize Picks and 11 Personnel. Just use that code PERSONNEL. Double your first deposit with Prize Picks. So like it. Uh, it's going to be another fun weekend. I enjoy a little Friday catch-up, you know? Talking more than once a week. It's weird. This is nice. This is We're like... Two fifths of the way there of having a daily podcast. Forty percent. Uh, we're almost there. Well, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us for a little extra time. If you miss the spaces on Tuesday, we have plenty of citrus bowl talk. And who knows? We might have some we'll probably have some more next week. We will be back with another eleven personnel. What do you say? We'll get Tuesday and Wednesdays, we'll one of the two throughout the season, just depending on news. Yeah, I think that's probably the plan. It might I think when the off season gets ramped up, I think Wednesday will probably be the best day to do it so we get right in the middle yeah yeah a little bit of the week before a little bit of the week ahead you know stay tuned before you know it spring ball will be here yeah yeah uh and if somebody and we we need a linebackers coach too so we're going to be on that nick they go to that convention um during the national championship so next weekend was when that convention is what that's when a lot of coach interviews happen or you mean this weekend yeah 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 this weekend sorry yeah because the championship is monday but yeah so that'll be something will come from that, I would imagine. Shout out to uh, Lucas Oil Stadium for still not having their sign up four days before the college football playoff national championship starts. It was like two zero two, and then the bottom part of a two. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing the Georgia fans at Roosters this weekend. Oh man, it's going to be a party. There's they're they're invading Louisville. It's easier. It's easier trip. Who wants to hang out with Indy when you can hang out in Louisville? Yeah, who wants to go to the um, um what's the uh, St. Elmo's when you can <laughs> when you can go to Texas Roadhouse on our loop oh. I mean easy decision <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's been a pleasure hope y'all stick around and enjoy the rest of our Twitter spaces we'll be back with more next week I can just sing for you all until I get lucky to hop on but we are going to be uh talking a little citrus recap today um like it how do i make you the host let's uh yeah i'll invite you to co-host boom and i'm pretty sure we can start taking some calls from listeners uh, you know we don't really know what we're doing we're just kind of rolling with the punches but we figured this would be a fun way to um 
to get things going. Um, and just kind of talk about the Citrus Bowl. It was uh, pretty fun winning 10 football games, if I do say so myself. Uh, I could keep doing this for years and years and years and years to come um, because it was a blast. It was an absolute blast being down there for the big game in Orlando. It was hot. Uh, it was not as hot on the drive home. At one point, uh, may have driven through a bunch of snow in the state of Tennessee. Tennessee, awful, awful state, 90% of the time. Um 95% of the time. I think the one exception is that one week in Nashville for the SEC tournament. Uh, but everything else sucks. And that includes uh, being out there driving in the middle of the night through snow on my way back from Florida. Um, so no fun. No fun at all. Um, like it, I'm trying to invite you to host and to speak. Uh, whenever you figure it out, just hit that button. Just hit that button. Come have a chat. Uh, I guess I'll be filibustered until Luckett can get in here and share some Anna Luckett's. My favorite Anna Luckett that he shared was that <laughs> on Kentucky coin tosses this year, Defer went 13-0. and That's the kind of stuff you can only get from our buddy, Adam Luckett, who uh, is trying to get on here to talk a little ball with us. Uh, I'm, I appreciate SEC Mike in the chat um, as we try to figure out how this Twitter spaces things work. Appreciate y'all for hanging out. Um, in the meantime, I'm not going to share a box score, but I am going to share some records with you. Wondell Robinson, 170 receiving yards. He had 170 of Will Levis's 233 passing yards. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, you might have to... Uh, know where you would go back to a, a game when one receiver had such a lion's share of the carries and oh my Lanta, is that Adam Luckett there? He doesn't have his microphone on either. Wow. Great timing Luckett. <laughs> this is KSR uh, figuring out technology works. Slow and steady but by God we're going to win this race. We're going to win this race. Um, but, yeah, Wanda Robinson broke the receiving records, all of the receiving records in U.K. history. Pretty astounding considering that they were previously held in the air raid, a gimmicky offense by Craig East. Um, but we made it. We did it. Luckett, you made it online. I heard you stealing my Anna Luckett. Don't be stealing my thunder on here. I'm going to steal away. Defer, 13-0. But what also hit was Liam Cohen opening draft touchdowns. We got another one there in the Citrus Bowl. Yeah, 8 of 13. Is that right? 8 of 13. The only teams to stop UK in the first quarter really from scoring were Georgia and Mississippi State. Um, and even Mississippi State, they got a field goal. So only Georgia was able to blank Kentucky to start games this year. So pretty, pretty good debut there from the new play caller. A nice change of pace from the the last time uh, or last season, if you will, where uh, a lot of the Iowa media members kind of sounded like the disgruntled UK media members talking about the offense a year ago. Yeah, there, there's zero doubt about that. Bad quarterback play for the most part, um, kind of a bland scheme 
Um, not much receiving weapons on the perimeter. Uh, had a good tight end, some good running backs, good offensive line, but for the most part, bad offensive football there at Iowa. But they kind of had their best game of the season against Kentucky, yet Kentucky was able to pull it out mainly due to three interceptions, which is something they really haven't done all season. Yeah, had only had six going into the game. And were they fortunate enough that Spitzer Petras threw him right to UK defenders? A couple of them, yeah. But you got to give credit to the UK defense for bucking up when it mattered most. Um, man, it was, a, it was a fun win. It was a fun win. How would you rate your Citrus Bowl experience? You went last time as a fan in the stands. How was it as a Big J journalist? I enjoyed my experience. Um, first class, really, in everything other than our bus ride back from the Citrus Bowl, which <laughs> took about three hours, which was really unfortunate because oh, we had to miss the end of the Rose Bowl. But everything else, nice. The one thing about Orlando, like, it is Chain City, USA. Um, but for me, that's not a terrible thing because you know what you're going to get when you go to some of these places. And, but it's centrally located, so really where our hotel was, we could walk to everything if we wanted to, or a cheap Uber ride, which was nice. And then I think the bowl game, just a setup itself, is a really good kind of setup. Um, not the – guys, the traffic is a pain in the you-know-what, but there's room for parking, right, right. there's tailgating opportunities. They had a nice, like, fan fest set up. Um, the catwalk was – pretty utterly insane and then inside the stadium i think it's pretty nice now i heard concession stand lines were pretty ridiculous which was kind of the same thing in 2018 but you got great weather um, a good game and a fun inning for any kentucky fans that went down there oh man it was uh it was about 80 degrees all week when we were there and kentucky fans they really showed up big numbers towards the end um, end of the week, and and like you said, even there's so many hotels and stuff around there. You know, the team hotel was about ten minutes away. You know, like a cheap Uber ride to all the places. I know Tin Roof was rocking. That place was a lot of fun for the Missouri game. Um, I you know I know people were getting after that for the High Point game as well. Um, in the pep rally, I mean, Stoops he he says it all the times. He thanks the fans, but. Man, the fans really are on these road trips. I mean, to have people like hanging over the balcony and just completely packing that courtyard to greet Stoops. And then the line, I mean, that thing was stretched, you know, it wasn't a quarter mile, but my God, it was it was all the way down the road, fans ready to greet the team uh, for a really cool setting. You know, Chris Oates, he was the caboose of the catwalk. And fans stuck around until he was able to make his whole way through. They gave him a nice ovation. So, uh, all in all, like you said, it was it was a great experience. It was a fun time. And uh, I think plenty of Bud Lights were drank down in, in Orlando. Like it. Yeah, I think uh, it was a bad week slash weekend to be a Bud Light there in Orlando. And I think game the game being on Saturday um, kind of helped some people get down there. Uh, don't have to take that extra day off of work. You kind of got the weekend and you get a Sunday to get back there before everybody started the their normal lives Monday, yesterday. Um, but overall, a great experience, and it was kind of, Nick, the game everybody thought it was going to be. Um, just uh, just an absolute grinder of a football game. Um, team that makes the most – team that conservative, I guess, kind of playing style for each, and the team that made 
the less mistakes felt like the one that ended up winning the game. Yeah, and uh, that was Kentucky. E- even though going into it, a lot of folks uh, did not think that that would be the case. Kentucky was the team that prevailed because they, they didn't make mistakes. I mean, you had uh, a couple drop balls that, you know, some of them were difficult catches that are down the stretch. Um, but really, what almost cost Kentucky wasn't the really mistakes. It was just how thin they were in so many areas. Um, you saw it. You felt Dare Rosenthal's absence on the first drive. Uh, I believe it was the first drive. It might have been the second when Will Evans took a took an early sack on a speed rush uh, with Kenneth Horsey kicked out there. Will Evans got sacked seven times, um, and then you had you you had some glaring holes on that defense as well. So, um, but all in all, Kentucky they made the plays they needed to win that game. Yeah, it wasn't anything crazy Iowa did either. One was just like you said, Van Balkenberg. Speed rush, he just swiped Horsey's hands, went right around him. Another one was a typical tackle in stunt on a loop um, that Austin Dotson just wasn't able to pick up. And then they had, a, I think, one or two coverage sacks in there. But really, Iowa hadn't been like this pass-rushing force on defense. Um, but Kentucky gave up six sacks, and I believe Levis only threw the ball 28 times. That's a lot. When you kind of break down the game, Kentucky did have success with Chris Rodriguez like we thought they would. They weren't getting chunk plays, but they were staying ahead of the chains. But they real, Chris Rodriguez, only 20 carries. Now, there were times where you thought he probably should have been in the game. There's a short yardage situation there in the fourth quarter where Liam Cohen didn't go to him, um, which was interesting. But if on that third down, that was kind of a power read, and Levis pulled it when he really probably should have kept it in Rodriguez's belly. Um, but overall, it's, right. it's hard to run the ball like that, get up to 25, 26 rushes when you're in second and 16. You're in third and 15. Yeah. You know, they, there was a Kentucky found themselves in passing downs a lot, obvious passing downs, and that's something they've been able to avoid because of the efficiency of the offense, mainly in the running game. And that was kind of taken away from them, and they really kind of got off script and off kilter on offense. And I think that's why you saw them – struggle a little bit there in the middle of the game because they weren't able to get ahead of the chains and play like they want to play. Instead of third and four, they were in third and 15s. Now they converted a couple, but you're not going to have a lot of success when you find yourself in that situation. Um, And that was kind of, you know, the game, a limited possession game. And defensively, like you talked about, Nick, there were guys out there that I don't, I'm not sure that practice together in the same unit when it comes to, like game planning for another opponent, like oh, together. Marches thrower. Yeah, yeah. Like that dude isn't on the field with. I mean, I guess Justice Dingle. Times he probably was. How many snaps do we think Dingle Justice played? Dingle took with the ones or the twos, like with game prep this season? Zero. Like very, you know, very little. Sam and Nelly, I think, played ten, eleven snaps. Like there was just there were guys out there that just hadn't seen the field. And it was it was really kind of like Chris Chris Lewis played quite a few right, snaps. Right. Uh, yeah, was wide receiver. specifically on defense. But yeah, on offense that patchwork offensive line um, really just kind of Iowa kind of gave it to them. Um but that was a good Iowa front they faced. A lot of those Iowa guys are going to play in the NFL. But really, the de- defensively was kind of a story. They really couldn't get an Iowa offense behind the chains, a bad Iowa offense behind the chains. Um, they had a 50% success rate running the football, which is something 
I didn't really see coming against Kentucky, um, and that was frustrating. Uh, but I think a lot of that was due to just who they had on the field. Like I didn't think they were going to play a good chunk of that game without without JJ Weaver, without Trevor Wallace, without DeAndre. Josh Square. Pascal. You know, and then Josh Pascal wasn't maybe one we thought, but you look at the matchup. Marquand McCall was a one difference maker, but he, that was kind of negated going against the best center in college football. And the rest of the offensive line kind of had their way with Kentucky's front, specifically, I think, at that tackle position without Octavius Oxen nine. That been a, they've held up kind of well at that spot, but that was not a good game for them over there. Thought Trayvon Ripka made some plays, but obviously he's a young player. So yeah, I mean, defensively, they had some issues. But one thing this defense has done all year man, is when they had to dig deep and get a stop in the fourth quarter, they yep. they got it once again. Even the Tennessee game, they forced that field goal at the end, Tennessee misses. Every game where they had to get stops, they found ways to get them done in close games. Florida, to get two red zone stops in the fourth quarter. South Carolina offense is struggling, consistently gets stops in the fourth quarter. And, just, and then in the Iowa game, back against the wall, you're down 17-13. You look like you can't stop them. They somehow find a way to get consecutive three and outs to give Kentucky two chances to score. And then that final drive, they find a way to get an interception when Iowa is mm-hmm. on the brink of field goal range. So really a credit to Brad White and his defense for just kind of finding some, you know, clutch gene, for lack of a better word, and finding a way to get stops. Um, situational football was kind of a big thing for Kentucky this year. And they won it a lot, and even even special teams have played a big part in some of that. I think just you got to really credit Kentucky. You got to win in the margins sometimes, especially at Kentucky. They were able to do that situationally, and I think the defense had a big part of that. Even though there was times where it was really frustrating, the Iowa game was up there, and then pass defense all year was a real you know pain in the you know what for the program and the fans, but. When when the chips were down, they found a way to make plays and get off the field. Yeah, uh, the four to one is the one that jumps out the most from the season, where Florida had nine tries inside the ten to win the game, and Kentucky held up. They bowed up. They they took care of business, and that was the same here. You had Square have his Willis Reed moment, where he kind of limps back into the game, uh, helps is in there on the tackle for loss on third and one, along with Ribka. And then he makes the game-changing interception. I love that afterwards, uh, Brad White was like, you know, Square came up to me and he was like, you know, the less you drop me back, probably the better. So, and he's like, well, I can't make any promises. And thankfully he didn't because that was a, a little safety blitz. They brought Corker. He applied the pressure. Um, they forced the Aaron throw that, that went right to Square to, to end the game. Uh, yeah. Which they needed. Like, you, you mentioned it. Uh, Kentucky almost scored too quick with a minute 48 left in a good field goal kicker with Iowa. Uh, not going to lie, I was holding my breath there for a minute that we were going to have uh, some free football there. Yeah, two things right quick. Brad White, on the two biggest snaps of the game, brought pressure. Um, on the third and one, Iowa goes to like this jumbo package with just one split-out receiver. Kentucky goes to zero blitz. Tyrell Asian sneaks up, times it right, shoots the gap. Makes contact about four line, four yards behind the line of scrimmage. Doesn't come up with a tackle, but that slows him down enough. Get the stop. The next stop, they go to a simulated pressure. Um, they overload the 
the right side, the left, the right side of the defense, left side of the line of scrimmage. KD McDaniel on the simulated pressure does a great job of just basically running into the tackle, um, getting his hands on the tackle. So the tackle never sees Corker. Corker comes off the edge. Kentucky only brings four, but due to that different kind of pressure look, they they get a free runner on the quarterback, get a hit. Petrus just throws it up. Boom, interception, ends the game. So Brad White's not, you know, a blitz-heavy guy. And even the last one, you could classify it as not even being a blitz. But those are two huge calls at the right time that did, that were game-changing kind of plays. And then Kirk mm-hmm. Ferentz really did Kentucky a solid here in the fourth quarter. His <laughs> game management was not very good. Like, they go – they they attempt to go for it um, – and. I, I, I think I told I think you were gone in the press box when this happened, but I told them there's just no way. As soon as they went in motion, they weren't going for that. If you're going to go for it there, you're getting un, under you center and you're it. going QB sneak. Um, unfortunately, they they botched the QB sneak earlier, so that probably made them a little gun shy there later in the game. But he calls right. a timeout, and you're punting from like right around I think the 50 or the 45. Take yeah. the take the delay of game. Take the delay game and give your <laughs> of give your punter five more yards. Yeah. Instead, he calls a timeout. Instead of taking the leg game, let's you know doesn't take to take those seconds. Punts it, and then Kentucky goes down and scores, and they get a touchback. Instead of taking the leg game, having another timeout in your back pocket, Iowa only has one timeout, and then that kind of them only have a one timeout kind of changes the. The game later when Kentucky scores because when they get the ball across midfield, you can run it there another down instead of th- throwing yeah. it. And, and I think they really – Kirk Ferentz really kind of botched that from a game management standpoint. And we saw even in the first – in the second quarter, Mark Stoops, at the he calls the timeout after the second down there, after the D'Eric Jackson interception, right after the play. Oh, when really yeah. there's like 59 seconds left. you got two timeouts in two plays – you're gonna be able to stop the clock after each play. Just let the, just let the, you know, milk the, the clock, milk the clock yeah. a little bit more, so you're not giving Iowa the ball back. You really, Iowa should have got the ball back there with like 20 seconds left in the game instead of a minute. I mean, they, it could have, it could have been less too. Right. I think by the time Kentucky hit the field goal, there was like 49. Like it, you could have really drained it down. And I thought Iowa was gonna. I thought they were well on their way to putting some points on the board. And, hell, they even got a good look on that Hail Mary. Um, but luckily, mm-hmm. it was picked nice up. Nice play by Quadra Mosley. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah some, uh, two good coaches, I think, but you know, some hairy game management there. And luckily, Kentucky's di- it didn't end up going the wrong way. And luckily, I was kind of went the wrong way. So, Kentucky kind of won out there. Um, but – on, Kirk, on bad decisions. Right. They got they got lucky. Fair, yeah. <laughs> Ferentz did the Wildcats a solid there for sure there in the late in the fourth quarter. So lucky this is our first time hopping on Twitter spaces. And one thing that is nice is that it's not just us two on a Zoom call. We can have other people on. So yeah, we're hell, we're here. We might as well try it. If you want to get a question in. Just request to hop on. And just and, uh, um, shout out they I'll, they have to be on mobile. So if you're on your computer by chance. I don't know if you're at work or yeah. whatever. You can't do it on the computer for some reason. Um, twenty twenty, twenty twenty two, and we can't figure this out. So, um, mobile only. If we want to get some questions in here, it's really dumb because like we've got these nice microphones and we can't use them. But you know, whatever. 
whatever's kosher. We're just uh, we're trying to have a little fun. I mean, Kentucky won ten freaking games in a year, and it's happened twice in what four years, and it only happened two times in the hundred years prior. Right. It's insane, like it. It is absolutely insane. Yeah, I think a lot of people going to the last Citrus Bowl were like, "We need to go down there and savor this because we might we." You know, this might be the last time this happens for, you know, 30 more years. And here we are a few years later down there again, and the same <laughs> thing happens. I mean, I just – it's more proof um, that what Mark Stoops and them are doing. They just keep stacking stuff together, whether it's winning seasons, mm-hmm. recruiting classes, um, all of that. And really they're kind of in the shadow in a lot of ways because nationally I think they're starting to get more attention here, Nick. Um, from some talking mm-hmm. heads, um, and you saw that kind of play out in the coaching carousel a little bit. But I still think, man, regionally and for other fan bases, it's just they just no people are not paying attention. I mean, we're already seeing South Carolina buzz. Um, <laughs> PFF and Athlon are, are the first on the train, and they won't be the last ones. Um, right, and you go right. like for me going to a lot of these games. I didn't really get a chance to interact with Iowa fans all too much, um, but you go to you go to a South Carolina, you go to a Georgia, you go to a Tennessee, you go to these places, you, and it's just like they just don't – they still see Kentucky as kind of a five-and-seven program. Five is all oh, they've made bowl games, but they, they just think it's like, oh, we're supposed to be Kentucky. And I said every year Johnny Gamecock, when the schedule comes out, writes W next to the Kentucky game. Old Johnny game and so, for, like, for I think all of that is kind of – I think it's really helped the program in a way because they still can sell that underdog mentality and they still mm-hmm. can kind of work in the shadows while people are still kind of sleeping on them a little bit. That's going to change, I think, here moving forward. Um, but mm-hmm. it is interesting. Another win. Kentucky wins 10. Tennessee goes 7-6 and six again. Tennessee hasn't won 10 <laughs> games since my freshman year in college. Which was this is the Bush administration. Which was, yeah. Yeah. Which was when Joe Kim Noah was playing <laughs> basketball for Florida. Oh my gosh. So it's been that long. Wow. Imagine cheering for Tennessee. That would be awful. I just can't even imagine. Right. Like you it would take a special kind of person to have to t- cheer for Tennessee. So, yeah, Kentucky the miserable, miserable. Kentucky's existence. on a special run right now, and these are like the golden times, I feel like, but I feel like they're not done climbing either. Like it's the way they're recruiting and the way they're going about their business. Like we're going to be back in these bowl games, and they're going to be back in the mix in November again, playing meaningful football games in the SEC. And so this yeah. this year was really kind of a prove it year, and in some ways it was like you could argue it was kind of a bridge year for the program. New offensive yeah. scheme, new quarterback. It's a prove it year. Like a lot of this was a prove it year. Just be good on offense. Just proof of concept. Win eight games and then build for next year. Um, and I think they did even more than that. So I think it's even more reasons to get excited. We're gonna have to see how the roster shakeout turns out um, with draft decisions and um, additions from the transfer portal. Um, but there's, I, I think, a lot of reasons to get excited for next year. Um, and especially if they hit the portal like they did last year. I mean, some of the additions. Think of where we were this time last year, and then how different the roster looked. Wondell Robinson, Jacquez Jones, Dare Rosenthal. All three of those guys came like Trevon Wallace. All, all of those guys who contributed big moments this year. Even Wallace, the, the kick return touchdown against Florida. I've said if that ball bounces anyone else, I'm not sure if anybody else scores. Um, right. He just takes off like 
like a rocket ship, and you see why he was kind of as touted as he was and why he ran for a trillion yards in high school down in South Georgia. And so, yeah. like, it's going to be these next few months, like, this is this next maybe even five, six weeks, Nick, is where Kentucky goes from eight wins to possibly ten wins again. Like, what are the decisions? Uh, what does the roster look like? And it's like, if you're Kentucky football fan, these are important times because this is this is going to make the difference from from where we're eight and four, we're going to have a really solid season to, well, hey, we got this, this, and this. We can really compete here in the East. And if Georgia takes a step back or whatnot, we could possibly host them in November with um, with the whole enchilada on the line. Man, can be back there again before you know it. 35 weeks to kickoff. Let's let's go to some, some people on the line now. Uh, Trey was the first one up. Trey, I, I hope this works. Trey, how's it, how's it going, buddy? And if you turn your mic on, you're good to go. Trey, what's up, man? All right, guys. I'm going to give you the easiest one possible, and I know you're expecting it. What are the chances Wandale okay. comes back? Oh, man. Love the uh, the soft toss to get us started. Um, because that's something that's going to be talked about a lot, Luckett, in the next, I don't know. Uh, we shouldn't have to wait long. I mean, it's coming this week, I would imagine, or early next week. We've already got his dad tweeting out uh, subliminal messages. Uh, I don't know if you broke out the bone saw for this Twitter autopsy, but uh, Dale tweeted, go with the choice that scares you the most because that's the one that's going to help you grow. So what what do you think is the choice that that helps him grow? Listen, I think it's NFL, but I don't think – I think there's a legitimate chance that he could possibly stay. I don't think it's very big, but I think it's legitimate. Um, I mean, name image likeness is a huge deal. Uh, with these quarterbacks now, I think, like, if you're Will Levis or Hendon Hooker, okay, you could go be a fourth or fifth round pick, but you can come back and make a ton of money with sponsorships or whatever. Wendell Robinson could be the biggest football athlete in the public public sphere ever if he comes back next year. I mean, you're talking commercials, billboards, whatever he wants to do. I mean, he could probably clear a million dollars pretty easy. And for him, yeah. like you have to think, if Wondell Robinson gets a third round grade, all right, yeah. you get that's, this you get a, this you get the signing bonus, okay? But he's making right. under a million dollars for his first four or five years in the NFL. A third round signing bonus is right around a million dollars. And like your sa- your salary, I believe, is going to be like seven hundred k, six hundred k, and you're locked nine hundred thousand dollars signing bonus. Right, and so you could make one point five, but you also run the risk of. I mean, there's still plenty of unknown out there. So, like, if you just look at receivers taken in the fourth round or greater, it's kind of a crapshoot whether they're playing as rookies, not on the team, um, like. Tutu Atwell was a second-round pick at receiver. And, you know, he's one of those undersized slot receivers. He played 10 offensive snaps. They kind of just said, we're going to do some special team stuff. Only 10 offensive snaps. And then he got sent to injured reserve uh, in the season in, like, late November, early December, something like that. So, I think part of the mathematical one, which can almost become even, some of it's got to be the – 
fan, the fame aspect of it, like the show in town. You can be the show in town with a known quantity of quarterback, or you could end up like playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, yeah. So there's a little bit of there's a little bit of uh, like I feel like there's more certainty with coming back, and that's why I do think it's ultimately kind of a toss up fifty fifty deal right now. The number one thing we have to remember is like. The NFL is the ultimate dream. This is everybody's goal when you go play college ball is to go play in the NFL. So he's got that right. that opportunity's there right now. So like that's gonna win out more times than not on this stuff. We just need to keep that in mind. True. But if you're a if you're Wandell and thinking, man, I probably have a third to fourth round floor here. I could cash myself a million dollars and I can possibly improve my draft stock if I put together a consecutive a thousand yard receiving season. And maybe I show more explosive, like deep ball playmaking this next year, where people don't see me as just a typical intermediate slot receiver. Um, maybe I'm the starting punt returner. I can show value as a return man this year. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I can. I have a floor as a draft in my in the draft. I can pocket a million dollars, and then I can gain gain money by improving my draft stock this year by potentially maybe going into the second round. That's what's kind of at play here. I think for him, I think at the end, I would bet it's NFL, but I don't think it's crazy for him to think, you know, I could come back financially. It could make a lot of sense for me to come back. You know, you don't, you're always risking the the money. Right, right. right. It's the injuries. Well, yeah, but I mean, like you said, though, I think even – But if Rondell tears his ACL week three next year, he's still getting drafted, you know. And he's still making the money next year at Kentucky. Um, and he might cost himself a little bit, but there's still that financial insurance here when he's staying in Lexington making money. So I think that's still there. So it just really comes down to what he wants to do. And maybe uh, maybe our galaxy brain tweet from um, his dad, <laughs> and maybe that's telling us something. And our guy Lonnie has been pretty headstrong oh, Lonnie, Lonnie on his sources. Lonnie's sources are telling me he's coming back. I'm curious what this next guy's sources are going to be. Uh, our friend Kalen Harris, he does the Cat Scam podcast with Travis Graff. You've probably seen him at a bunch of uh, UK games. He was out here tearing up Louisville when the Cats won the Governor's Cup. Kalen, how, how how are you feeling right now after this this 10-win season? Oh, man, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I – I think I predicted nine and three, and I felt like a homer doing that beginning of the year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, ten wins is is phenomenal. Like you guys said, a lot of people thought this was more of a bridge year, a rebuilding year. You know, kind of figure some stuff out. First year with a new offense, um, first year, you know, in the system for Will Levis, things like that. So, I I don't think as a UK fan you could be much happier right now. It's. It's pretty great. Um, I'm sure you were down in Orlando. Do you, do you have yourself a, a time down there? Man, you don't even want to like, – so I got stuck in Lexington. It was uh, – oh, I know. It was it was brutal. It was one of those things where I could have tried to pull the, you know, the, the card of leaving my wife and kids home. But, I mean, I – you know, I went, I went to South Carolina. I went to Vanderbilt. I went. To, I mean, I was. You got to pick your battles. I know. I did four road games. <laughs> I did four road games during the season, and I said, if we make a BCS or a uh, New Year's Six Bowl, I'm going regardless. If we obviously SEC championship, any of that stuff. But it was one of those deals, man. If Disney would have been open, I think I would have 
been able to, or if we would have been able to get into Disney with two kids, I think I could have yeah. made it happen. But I don't know. It was brutal, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was good stuff. Hey, wanted to kind of ask you guys what a two part question. So one, I mean, obviously, Wandale's not involved in this discussion. I mean, that's he's obviously huge if he comes back. But who are one or two guys that you think? if they came back would have the biggest impact going into next season uh, and they can be super seniors or, or whatever. Um, and then the other the second part of that is who are a couple guys going into next season that you think can really make a jump, you know, from a non-contributor or a, uh, you know, barely contributing this year, you saw some things in the bowl game, whatever. Who are some guys that you kind of have on the radar? Love that question, Kalen. Love that question. Um, uh, to, to answer the – I, I have two that come to mind. So, look, let's think of returning guys, but also your kind of young up and risers that could be contributors. Obviously, Chris Rodriguez would be the biggest one to come back. I mean, he can become the school's all-time leading rusher. And – that would be kind of light work for him if we're being honest. Like he could have a bad year and break Benny Snell's record if he returns for one more year. But the, the other one too that I, I don't think we're mentioning that much because we kind of forget that it's an option is Jordan Wright, uh, yeah, JJ Weaver. Bad. Yeah, because JJ JJ is obviously a stud, but you've been very thin at that position. You recruited well with Fearbury and Wade. You also could get the kid. Uh, the Iowa State commit from Cardinal Gibbons uh, R. Mason Thomas. But, you know, Wright is not exactly a beacon of consistency, but he's a he could be a very valuable playmaker on that defense next year. Um, just first things first, we never saw healthy J.J. Weaver and Jordan Wright together all season. No, never. Weaver coming back from the ACL. Wright hurt his ankle against Missouri that lingered all season. Then we get to the bowl game and J.J. Weaver can't play. And so you want to talk about fixing the pass defense, fixing coverage. Have two potential NFL guys that you can, in passing downs, bring off the edge or drop into coverage or just give offensive lines different looks and with what you're trying to do. So, like, from that aspect, I think having them would be huge. And then, to me, the other one, I mean, it's just there, Rosenthal. Left tackles don't really grow. SEC quality left tackles don't really grow on trees. You've got one in your program right now. You bring him back, and then your your tackle depth long-term is really healthy. Everybody in college football and everybody in the NFL wants good offensive tackles. They're hard uh-huh. to find. Kentucky just, I think, signed two of them in the recruiting class with Nick, with Nick Hall and, obviously, Keontae Goodwin. You get – Dare Rosenthal, it's a lot less you have to figure out. Finding a right tackle is a lot easier than finding a left. You can play Rosenthal yeah. next year. You can bring along Goodwin um, slowly and with time. Um, you don't have to rush with that. And then you can potentially keep Kenneth Horsey at left guard, um, which he, I think he could be an all-SEC caliber left guard if he's allowed to play left guard. I think he can be a, a serviceable tackle, but you're making one spot weaker um, to – you know, you're you're leaving holes. And you're just you know plugging. It's just like yeah, you know, a leak. Less of a leak one where, but you're having a leak there. You keep him there, and then you bring in Payshon Manning to play the other guard spot. There won't be a better pass protection duo at guard than Manning 
and Horsey. And then you slide Cox to center. You know, the offensive line is going to be one of the best in the country if that happens, if you get Darryl Rosenthal back. Um, so, for me, you keep that going. You get Rodriguez. You get Levis. You have some receivers to feel good about. Like, the offense is going to be really good if that happens. If you don't, like, Cohen's going to have to figure out how to, like, scheme the offense. I think you would have to see a lot more kind of pockets moving, less drop-back game if you're struggling to run – if you struggle to protect like that we saw in the Citrus Bowl. So, for me, the two ones would be Rosenthal and Wright. I think you are. They, they have ripple effects, Nick, I think, if you bring them back. Right with healthy with a healthy Weaver gives you two legitimate edge rushers, which everybody wants, and it helps protect your secondary. Rosenthal gives you a proven left tackle that everybody in college football wants, and it's gonna have it's gonna help your protection, it's gonna help your running game, it's just gonna make everybody better. So those would be the two for me um, as return guys. If you can get both those back, I think there's gonna they're gonna have they would have big rep effects on the rest of your team. The uh... When you were talking about plugging holes, it just reminded me of Clark Griswold in Vegas. That's what I was thinking, too. (laughs) Vegas vacation. Yeah, um, which is, I think, I I would say European is probably the worst of all the vacations. But um, I'm not as optimistic on Dare returning, though. Um, You know, he he was injured, but, you know, Stoop said something else popped up. I don't know if that popped up is I'm just done with school and I'm going to the NFL draft. Uh, but I'm you just have to uh, hope that draft paperwork comes back and it's like sixth round and then he has to be like I need to really think about this I think I think that if it's fourth or third or fourth round that he's gone um it's when I'm kind of reading in between the tea leaves um but switching over to return yeah is that third and fourth round range yeah that's what you want to hear I I think one player we've kind of slept on like Trevor Wallace is going to be really good uh-huh. It was his first year. He kind of had a roller coaster season, but I would double down on him. Um, yeah. I think I think you could really maybe see the light turn on for him after one season. Now he come, he gets a spring ball. He wasn't here for spring last year, mm-hmm. so that that could be one. And then, like Chris Lewis, I'm still pretty high on. Yeah, I loved him coming out of high school. He had to put on some weight. Um, he played a lot, like a good amount in the Citrus Bowl. And, like, when you kind of look at Kentucky's receiver, Nick, like I talked about, they still don't have that kind of guy to line up at X, throw a back shoulder fade to. I could see potentially him being that guy, the light kind of turning on for him now that he's added some playing strength. Um, So he's a guy I would bet on. And the easy answer after the game would be Trevon Ripka. I think everybody's going to be pretty high on him. And then another one, I know I'm throwing a lot out there, but Justin Rogers – is we haven't really seen much from him. It's going to be his junior season, but that's not that much different than Marquand McCall. Right. His first two years were kind of slow. We kind of saw the light come on as a junior, and then as a senior this year, he really turned the corner. I think that could kind of be the same blueprint here for Rogers. So he's a guy – I think he might have been injured or something at the Citrus Bowl, Nick, because he really didn't play. So I'm yeah. not sure what was going on there, but he's a guy next year we could really start to see um, some playmaking um, – pop from him next year. So he's a guy I think we're probably going to – he's going to be a guy we probably don't talk about much publicly, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he – we look up and he's – we're playing – Kentucky's playing Ole Miss and he's got three and a half tackles for loss. And everybody's like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, it's funny too because when you mention Wallace, uh, some of that will be dependent on what Square and Jacquez Jones do. Um, I've been 
kind of operating under the impression that they'll both be back, even though Summerall will not be there. Uh, you know, we got to wait for those decisions to come out. I don't know when they'll happen, but, uh, you know, Jones didn't even go through senior day at UK. <laughs> so he's a true – both of those guys are true seniors. They did not get a redshirt year, so why not go ahead and get a fifth? Yeah, you're uh, looking at a stack off-ball linebacker group. You know, you could platoon those two with the Eric Jackson and Trevin Wallace. We've seen with DeAndre Square, he's just had a hard time staying healthy through a full season. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you can if you can peel back some of those snaps, get him to 30, 35 in a lot of games, keep him fresh. Yep. That could be a fun group. And if that if they that front can just take up blocks and let those guys kind of roam and make tackles. There's a lot to get excited about. And now we still need to see who their coach is going to be uh, next year. And there was a guy on the sidelines that at the Citrus oh. Bowl that seemed like maybe he could be a candidate. Bo Pelini could be a candidate, but uh, I don't know. I think a lot of it's more just like they're boys, you know. They grew up together. Hey, right. why don't you come to the game? Um, I think that's much more likely than him being the next coach. But you never know. I mean, like that might – and, and, and also, too, like it, I would be much more for Bo Pelini joining than Mike Stoops, right? Like, I feel like that I, – I would – I think fans would prefer that. And, you know, Bo might not even be a better coach than Mike Stoops. But the reaction I got from Twitter, there was only – like, I, I was expecting, like, it to be split. But there was only, like, one dude who was anti-Bo Pelini. Uh, Here, so – Here's my thing with here's my thing with both. Stoops has built enough credit that you just got to let him hire whoever. If he wants to hire a mannequin to come coach linebackers, you know, so let Square just, be the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that mannequin he probably know he can probably coach a little bit of Stoops' time. You just got to trust him. Like Bo Pelini has not been a position coach, non coordinator role since 2004 at Oklahoma, and even then he was a co DC. So this is a role he hasn't been in. When it came to game planning, when he had to be a defensive coordinator again, 2020 LSU was an absolute train wreck. I mean, anybody that turns on that Mississippi State tape where they just got aerated to death because they wanted to play press man um, was not good. So now this is going to be a different role he'd be in here. So you got to trust Stoops, but um, I I don't think he'll be the hire. That just doesn't fit what he's done recently. No, no. And – he can just keep inviting Bo back to the sideline. He doesn't have to pay him to be a coach. Yeah, know? get him up. Get him up in a QC role if he wants to do that, so he can just yeah, crunch him tape. Him and Minuski. There you go. They're just banging away. Uh, it could be a good time. Let's uh, let's see what Josh is up to. Josh has been hanging around for a little bit. Uh, I'm curious what he has to say after we've been yapping for a little while. Josh, how you doing? This Tuesday. Can you guys hear me? Sorry about that. There you go. Am, am I in the game? No problem. What's up, buddy? Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, uh, just surviving the vid right now. But, you know, I love what you guys do. Uh, I love this 11 personnel. Uh, one thing I did want to just throw out there and ask and just kind of get your eyes talking heads on it here is, you know, I feel as if Kentucky's checked a lot of boxes throughout Stoops' career, obviously mainly in the past four years, but – He's got the transfers, winning the games, you know, the quality of recruits, the stars, the blue chippers are starting to filter in and coming in. 
And then the stats from, you know, like as you guys talked about with Wandell and, and Levis, you know, I feel as if, you know, quietly Kentucky's getting respect in the SEC, but we're, all, you know, Kentucky's always the underdog. What's it going to take to get that next tier step up or that next level? Uh, is it beating UGA once, finally again? Is it beating teams that we're supposed to beat, like Tennessee? You know, what's that next step that, you know, Stoops and the team can take? Because obviously this feels like a miracle from an old-time uh, Kentucky football fan. So what, what what's your guys' thoughts? Yeah, Nick, well, it's really uh... – you can – it's ten and two regular season is obviously the obvious next step, um, just from a record wise. Yeah. But it's really it's getting to Atlanta. Like that's that's the goal. Um, Kentucky has a public perception in football that they're just never going to get out of. I believe um, it's right. why I thought LSU would never hire Mark Stoops because you you can't convince um, Doctor Go Tigers in New Orleans that we're going to hire Kentucky's coach and he's going to lead us to national championship because that 62 year old, which rich white man in New Orleans only knows Kentucky as being a basketball school. Um, and that's going to, that takes, I think going to decades to get out of like, that's going to take yeah. a long time for Kentucky to ever get out of. Um, but I think that's a lot of, I think that's work to stoops in their favor a lot. Um, but the really the next the next step is it's beating Georgia, it's beating Kirby Smart, it's beating the top dog in your division, and it's getting to Atlanta. Like that's the only thing they haven't done, Nick. When you really look at it, yes, we would all like to beat Tennessee more. Um, you would like to that to become more consistent. But the real next step is knocking off Georgia in a big game in in front of a national audience and getting getting to Atlanta. That's the next step for the program. And I think if you if you got them, it's Mark Stoops. If you got Vince Merrill, if you got Liam Cohen, if you got Brad White, if you got DeAndre Square, if you got Will Levis, if you got Wondell Robinson, if he came back, if you got them in a quiet room, that would be they would tell you that's that's the goal. We're coming after the East. We're coming after Georgia, and that's that's where we want to get to. Josh, uh, hope you get to feeling better. Uh, appreciate you chiming in and hanging out with us today. Um, I. Uh, I mean, that, that's the obvious answer, but I still just want to beat Tennessee more consistently. God, I, I just hate him so much. They're just the worst. God. Love watching them lose in just horrific fashion, too. Just, oh, you, you think you scored, but you didn't. Weird. The refs hosing you over. Never seen that before. Just suck at Tennessee. I just can't. Cannot stand them. Ugh. But, hell, you know, look at um, – we don't know what the roster makeup is. To if you get your Wandells back, your Chris's back, if if you get a best case scenario off season, like Kentucky without a doubt be second choice in the East next year. I would uh, pump the brakes on that, Nick. This is SEC meet SEC media we're talking about here. I mean, it's only going to take two transfers for Napier to to get that to get that cocktail party ramped up. Well, that's true. It's only going to take one transfer to. Um, to For get Tennessee to, to got- Tennessee ramped up. I mean, we're already hearing Tennessee fans are already, already think that Heupel's the best play caller ever. So we just need to. I would pump the brakes on that. Uh, the second place in these, you do what makes sense, but I don't know if that'll happen. 
They've been second uh, twice in the last four years. This was the first time they actually finished in sole possession of that second place. Um, so, you know, getting in that territory consistently, I, I think it's safe to say, though, that despite what the media will say, that Kentucky is now firmly in that group right behind the halves. Like, if, if you're doing the tiers of the conference, it's Alabama, Georgia at the top, and A&M is knocking on that door with the way they're recruiting and the way that they played this year. And then behind, it's it's that there's about four teams, five teams in there that's one upset away from getting there. Um, you know, like back when Hugh Freeze used to upset uh, Alabama, you know, once every three years or whatever it may be. That that kind of Kentucky's in that that second tier right now, and I I don't think anybody can dispute that. Yeah, what I'm about to say, um, if you were a Kentucky fan ten years ago, and I said in twenty Going into the 2022 season, I'm not sure you would trade places with anybody outside of Alabama and Georgia in the SEC. Yeah, if there's other crazy. schools that probably have higher ceilings than you if they get it right, but you've raised the floor so much and you have enough stability that you're in better shape as a program from a coaching standpoint, from a facility standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a resources standpoint with the stadium, your recruiting budget, um, your salary staff pool, all of that. Like Kentucky's right in the thick of it. It is a top 15 to 20 program right now. Like I don't think you can really argue against that, it not being a top 20 program at, at the moment. I think sometimes we get, especially in college football season, it's one game a week. You get overreactions. You lose a couple games in a row. Everybody loses their minds. Um. But really, you kind of have to look at big picture, too. You know, big picture, thanks to methodical season-by-season building, Kentucky's kind of built really something pretty cool here right now. Um, And the arrow's pointing up, so there's a lot to get excited about. All right, we're going to wrap up here soon, but JoJo is on the line. We want to hear from you, JoJo. Um, JoJo with the dance, as one Kentucky Joe might say, have said back in the day. JoJo Kim, man. The dude is awesome. What a fun. I don't I don't think this is JoJo Kemp. He's getting together. JoJo, what's on you, Mike? What you got for us today? Gotta hit that mic button, buddy. Yep, got to hit it. Just the, the blue mic, bottom left corner. We're all figuring this out, though, at the same time, though. Like, it, it's, it's the KSR world is – Coming to learn, maybe this coming is, to love some Twitter spaces. This is the KSR way. Hey, <laughs> what's up, buddy? How you doing today? Good. How are you? Oh, you know, just just grinding along. Uh, about to hang out with my kids. Some uh, got to congratulate Luckett. They, they got a baby on the way. So, applause for our we job. do. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, my question is, um, with the uh, the uncertainty of Wondell Robinson coming back. Um, do you think we can add another receiver from the transfer border? Uh, Jodo, I certainly think so. Um, there was one guy that has not officially hit the portal yet, um, but announced that he has been kicked off the team at Auburn. Auburn's just a damn mess like it. They are hilarious to follow along. 
we got our friends at Auburn Live, Justin Hawkinson, and I think it's Justin Ferguson, maybe. They're just hilarious to keep up with their shenanigans. But uh, their leading receiver, a former top 150 recruit, um, he could be available. So uh, it's it's definitely a slow play situation like it. I, I think Tavian Robinson was a good start, but there's certainly room to add more. Yeah. To answer your question, JoJo, yes. Um, but there's going to have to be some shakeup still at that position. Um, Cleavon Thomas is kind of an interesting case. He could be a super senior next year. It sounds like he's coming back. They haven't really said. We don't know. Um, but if he's come back, they have 12 scholarship players. Um, that's not counting Wondell Robinson, who we're assuming is gone. That's a lot of scholarship receivers, Nick. So, like, they're going to have mm-hmm. to figure out who they want to get out of there. And when you look at the room, there's really only – a few upperclassmen. It would be Thomas, Tavion Robinson, Demarcus Harris, Tay-Tay Crooms. Everyone else is third year or below in the program. Um, so it's a really young group. I think, yes, they can do that, but you're going to have to see probably um, some attrition. So, like, this spring could be a thing, Nick, where it's a competition between a couple guys, and if a certain guy doesn't make a move, it might be – time to have a hard conversation about needing to move on yeah. kind of thing. Right, right. So that's going to be something to watch. But I think Kentucky staff is at a point now that they got Tavion Robinson. They feel good about him. That they're going to be very selective with who they get next. Like when they add a guy, they want to make sure it's going to be an instant impact player. And I think they're also looking for a guy, Nick, that can play outside, play that Z receiver, and has vertical playmaking ability. Um, so like Kobe Hudson is nice, but he was 80% slot slot receiver at Auburn where they brought Tavion Robinson to be kind of that slot receiver back at Kentucky. Now, maybe they could decide we want to do the same thing we did with Ali and Wandell this year, and we can do Robinson and Hudson and one can play in the slot, one can play outside and we kind of rotate there. But I really do think they would like to get some more speed outside speed there at that spot. That's why Todd, Todd Harris was an addition for them. Um, so I think they're looking for something potentially in that mold. And you got to kind of stay patient with this portal because guys can get in it at any point. Um, and back to the Auburn thing, Nick, sh- shocked that a guy from the Northwest who's never worked in the SEC goes into Auburn of all places and it's not working out. Just, just totally shocked. Oh, man, they're a damn mess. It's hilarious. Um uh... Gosh, I mean, Parsons had less trouble than we have getting this spaces going. I mean, <laughs> but not, that, not know, going good for the filibuster. God, that guy, what a clown. Uh, speaking of clown shows, uh, LSU is going to have like 30 players in a football game tonight. So that's going to be entertaining, if nothing else. We got, we got a, little back, a nice background for our uh, Kentucky LSU basketball postgame coverage tonight. Look at how big is the crowd at LSU since they're playing that football game tonight? I don't know, man. It's they're naming the court after Dale Brown. It's Kentucky. What horrific timing <laughs> from Dale Brown. Why are you doing it on Tuesday? And why are we doing it the best? Uh, I don't understand it. I, but the answer to the Tuesday thing is just because it's the UK game. Right. That makes sense. It, but um, I, I was going back through some of their like their games against one another for a post today, and man, he had some horrific, horrific losses to Kentucky. Like 
just bad ones. But he did get a couple uh, – like, he won their only SEC tournament championship back in 1980, uh, and that was a, a big win over UK, and then they beat him to go to the Final Four back in 86. We could have had a, another dream game if not for the fourth time of the trial. Kentucky, I, I remember having, like, well, they had to beat LSU for a fourth time to get to the Final Four. That's hard to do. They beat Alabama in the Sweet 16 that year for the fourth time. And be like, that was nuts. Like, I'm very happy that they changed the NCAA tournament rules to avoid stupid stuff like that from happening again. NCAA, bad rules. Goes together like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, before we get out of here, uh, we're going to talk more about this bowl game, I think, and just in stuff in general. I don't know if I can save this or put this on the podcast feed or not, but this has at least been a fun start. Um, I got to know, what's your thoughts on this title game, Georgia-Bama? I like Georgia. I like that they lost that game. They've got the motivation factor. I think Bryce Young just went absolutely nuclear in that game, played kind of the game of his life. Um, But one of his big targets is out, John Mechie. Um, The passing game for Alabama wasn't great against – Cincinnati, Jameson Williams got hurt a little bit. We have to check his status. Meanwhile, if you kind of dig into that game, Alabama had no real matchup for Brock Bowers. Stetson Bennett just had a really bad quarter, and things just totally unraveled on them. I think Georgia hangs in there. I think they finally get that huge silverback gorilla off their back. I think they knock off Alabama. Kirby brings home a national championship. They do got a big gorilla on their back because – when we went down to that Georgia game, they were always they were talking. They're already preparing themselves for losing Alabama in October. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, so that's that's just the worry in that game. I, Georgia's. I think Georgia's a better team. They've had the better year. They should win the game. But you know, Alabama's just been in this dance a hundred times. Saban's been in it. They know how to manage it. And Georgia, um, they just have to avoid the pee down their leg moments. It happened in the SEC championship game. I believe it was that second quarter when things – second to third quarter where things just totally, like, went haywire on them. They just have to avoid that. But, you know, it's going to be in the back of their minds, the fans and everything. Um, I think it's probably going to help them, Nick, that this game's not in Atlanta like the last one. Um, get away a little yeah. bit going to Indy, I think it's going to help them a ton. Um, but, yeah, you just have to worry about that. They should win, but, you know, if it gets – if We've seen Kirby Smart melt in some of these games um, with that fake punt with Fields, uh, with not adjusting to Tua, with running cover two um, there at what seemed like to be a bad time on the second and 26. So, yeah, we'll have have to see. I've I've heard that there's a a good chunk of Georgia fans staying in Louisville and driving up to Indy. So uh, we might be seeing them around town. Uh, this week, but uh, right. have hey. you seen the Bulldogs at Roosters? Oh man, it'll it'll be a rowdy time for sure. Well, look, this has been fun. Uh, we'll we'll be back talking more before you know it. Thanks to everybody who hopped on spaces with us. This was a, this is a nice uh, trial run, a nice trial run. We could be doing this more often. Who knows? We're gonna see how it goes. Uh, but look, I hope you have a good day, buddy. You too, and thanks everybody uh, for tuning in and following us all season. You're the reason we can do this. We really appreciate it. We hope we we provide a little knowledge and a lot of fun um, for following us all year. And we don't slow down, Nick. We double down in the offseason. This is really where we get ramped up and kind oh, of man. dive in. So this is 
I, I would argue this is the most fun time to follow us as we go through these next eight months together before the season starts. Uh, in the words of Mr. Mackey, we are doubling down. So thanks everybody for hanging out, listening, following along all season long. We'll be back with more better than ever. Um, and as always, go Cats and go Kroger.